The Roman Missal for this day says the last Sunday after Pentecost. All things in this life come to a last moment, an end. Pentecost season included. The church takes this moment to remind us of the last judgment, that great summation of all human history when everything in the material world will have been destroyed by fire. All will be evaluated by the eternal judge who will pronounce just judgments either of reward or punishments. I've often wondered about the passage in St. Peter's Epistle wherein he foresees that all man's works will be set aflame and will perish. It astonishes me in view of some of the great accomplishments of man, things truly worthy, by human estimation, of preservation. Shall all the great works of civilized man in architecture, for example, including many churches, which have been so carefully conserved to become rubble in the end? And what about the great masterworks of art, literature, music? Is nothing at all to survive? Have all our finest efforts and all our endeavors finally to be for naught? The very universe itself, the work of the omniscient and omnipotent architect creator, is scheduled for cosmic demolition, though with some unknown form of reconstruction. It makes one wonder about the futility of things. All things are vanity, to quote the Scripture. But I must say that it instills terror in my mortal frame to think about this. It also dramatizes the lasting importance of moral and spiritual goods, the things which alone will survive the general destruction. This means that all the busy work which so engages most men will mean nothing apart from their moral significance. And thus, the humble, pious prayers of a poor and aged woman before the Blessed Sacrament will appear as golden in the end, while all the great world events and works will weigh as nothing on the scales. The last judgment puts value of a transcendent kind on everything, making us revalue all our values. This religious perspective of that end time should so profoundly affect and penetrate our Christian consciousness 
as to make us people of a different sort from the rest of ignorant humanity. And yet, there is seemingly little difference between them. We Catholic Christians have learned to think and to get along rather well with those who have little or no faith and whose preoccupying business is to keep moving, which is to say, to remain distracted and unconcerned over the inevitable and final outcome of things. Truly, this is an absurd way for us to live. As if there were no judgment, as if things will always be the same, or perhaps always get better or worse within the present scheme of things, but never to come to a final stop for a definite exposure and review and with the eternal destination of unsurpassed happiness or irreversible wretchedness. What these truths move me to do is to want to become ever more concentrated in my spiritual pursuits. I want to make goodness count all the more and to spend my life's hours in amassing that proverbial treasure which can never be diminished or lost. I want to know God, to be more familiar with Him in conversation, and to do all the good that I can. Surely, I still feel the tug and lure of sin and its blandishments, but I've become more determined, more concentrated in my thinking, and more circumscribed in my endeavors. About this, I wish to quote the epistle, which gives us direction. Brethren, may you be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of God in all things pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the power of his glory in all patience and long-suffering with joy. As we are witnessing the spiraling down of so much that we once cherished in our lives, whether in the church or in civil life, we ought to become more convinced of the providence of God, which perhaps by these very means of dissolution is recalling mankind to the basic truths of the vanity of all things here below and the everlasting significance of the things of faith. I wonder how many people are learning from the present chaotic state of things the needed, God-intended, moral lesson. 
while we cannot and should not disengage from necessary engagement with the world, doing our assigned duties, we ought to be concentrating our efforts ever more on becoming a holy people, one by one, individually, remaining faithful in this unhealthy that's the meaning of insane, unhealthy. This unhealthy time to have a right estimation about what's happening in the world and of all the things we spend so much of our time doing. What profit will all our life have been in the end when the just judge will appear? This is the lesson of the gospel as well as the lesson, I believe, of the moral and spiritual revolution taking place in our day by the permissive will of God. I have always maintained that we need to keep our calm when turmoil threatens the spiritual good of our souls. In the words of the introit of this Mass, I think thoughts of peace, not of affliction. We should not lose what we can gain all the more abundantly by our constancy, our fidelity. God sends adversity not only to punish the wicked, but also to fortify those of good intention we should want to be among the latter. Utilizing the present moment, seizing the day, we can grow in fortitude, piety, with a generous love for our less fortunate brethren who are dizzying about with incomprehension over the present turmoil in the world and in the church. The liturgy today helps remind us of these truths in order to keep us rightly oriented. Indeed, we are on the march, but not to some meaningless end. Everything will count. All will be evaluated according to how we will have lived either in accord with or discord with the will of God. Stay focused on these things. <clears throat>